0: diet soda is evil it killed their whole family i don't fucking care the studies don't add up to it i'm not listening it hello beautiful people and welcome back to the show So I haven't done anything really as far as putting the show out there quite yet, because I wanted to get a few episodes out before I started kind of directing people to it. However, I think I'm going to start. And I also want to say the few people I have told and that have been listening already, I can tell you've shared this. It's already growing and I so appreciate that. So if you're one of those people and you told someone else, please know that I know and I appreciate it so, so much. With that being said, if this is your first time here and you can leave a review on Apple or share it, I would really appreciate it. And I want to pick one of the reviews or one of the shares or something once or twice a week and buy people coffee or whatever or send them a $5 Venmo, whatever it is, just because it does mean that much to me. So again, I really appreciate it and you know, you should share this because maybe I'll get a free coffee out of it. Let's get right into why you're here. The calories in versus calories out. Just the theme of fitness now. So, the problem becomes at that point is you as an individual. How many calories should you eat? How do you execute it? Then you start hearing about macros. Everybody's talking about those. How do they fit into this? And what do each of them do? And how many should you be eating? My goal within this podcast is for you to have an answer to each and every one of those questions by the end and to not take too long to get to the point of each. So how many calories you should be eating, what your macro breakdown should generally look like, and what to do if you have sort of the ifs, ands, or buts situations. Let's start with calorie intake. This is going to be affected by so many things. If you are a chronic dieter in the past or you have a super low or really high body fat percentage, how much you move in a general day, how much muscle mass you have, there are so, so many factors that go into determining this. And that's sort of why my job exists, right? So reaching out to a qualified nutrition coach is your best bet to take care of all these factors and make sure that, you know, everything and all of your bases are covered. If anything sort of takes you out of the general advice category, you're going to want to probably work with a nutritionist or a dietitian. For today's purposes, we are going to assume that you don't have like alien parents or some crazy shit and you generally have normal circumstances going on. So let's start with maintenance calories. Maintenance is where you should be hanging out almost always Maintenance calories are exactly what they sound like. They're what it takes to maintain your weight. You're not losing weight. You're not gaining weight. You're chilling out. Maintenance isn't really going to be an exact number. Some days you're going to move a little bit more. Some days you'll require a bit more, a bit less. It's a ballpark. A great reminder that you don't have to take everything so seriously. I even made an entire show about it. So maintenance is where I suggest starting out. It's going to give you the best starting point to head towards any other goal. So to figure out your maintenance calories, you can totally use a calorie calculator. I like Precision Nutrition's calculator, and it's free. I like the James Smith Academy calculator. That one generally comes out pretty good as well. There are ways to get a little bit more precise, but we're going to assume that this is like we're looking for a ballpark. We're brand new. We don't have any other information. You're going to start with that intake, and you are going to keep it extremely consistent, and you're going to record your weight for like a month. Don't change it up too quickly. Give your body a hot second and don't pay attention to the daily fluctuations because those aren't going to matter. If you're going to be an emotional basket case about a pound up or a pound down, you should probably bring someone on board with you to calm you down. This process sort of requires you to be unemotional for that month and just look at the data Not change your calories up because you think it's going one way or the other. Just try this consistently for a month unless you are rapidly trending in one direction or another. And rapid means like you've gained or lost like 10 pounds within that month. After you've completed the entire month at that calorie range, you're going to take the average weight of each week. So you weigh yourself seven times, you add that up, you divide it by seven. You're going to look at the averages for the four weeks. If the average is going up, you probably need a little bit less to be at maintenance. If you are finding that your weight is rapidly going down, you probably need to eat a little bit more to be at maintenance. Keep it super simple. Don't add a bunch of unnecessary shit or questions or things like that. Just keep it to this. When you do adjust, if you need to, start with like 200 to 400 calories in either direction. If your weight stayed mostly the same, you found your maintenance. Congratulations, boo. You don't have to do this. If you do, keep the adjustments reasonable. So I do want to get into how to adjust this if you do want to lose fat or you do want to put on some muscle. However, before we do that, I want to give a little bit of my personal input here because it's my show and I can do whatever the fuck I want. In my experience, most people do not need to actually be doing cutting and bulking phases. Most people with a normal background maybe need a bit of a fat loss phase and then to take a shit ton of time to master maintaining the progress that they made. If you hang at maintenance for long enough, you will find that you'll gain a little bit more muscle and you'll lose a little bit more fat. It's just a lot less exciting than seeing constant scale drops because it's so slow over time. Bodybuilders, weight class athletes, other high-level competitors, they'll probably be better off doing your cuts and bulks in your typical outline like that. However, these people have seasons and they also have goals and it makes a little bit more sense for them to hit the level of compliance that's necessary to execute these things correctly. If you never learn how to maintain the progress that you made, how do you expect to keep your results? The answer is that you're not going to unless you put in the effort to learn how. Most people, this is where you are lacking. It's not that they couldn't lose the weight or it's not that they couldn't gain the weight. It's more so that they did that and then they could not maintain their results. Something like 95% of dieters gain back all of their weight or even more than when they started. And what I hear in that is that 95% of dieters were a little fucking overzealous. Xanax, patience relax we're going to talk more about maintaining your progress right after i do want to get into how are you going to adjust if you want to do a fat loss or a muscle gaining phase to start what do you do to head towards that goal just as you would adjust with maintenance 200 to 400 calories in either direction is a great start to avoid a massive rebound if you are really really big or really really small take that into account you know common sense maybe you are like four foot 10 and you are like 90 pounds, like my little sister. And she literally messaged me when she saw this podcast and was like, I am a toddler sized adult. What about it? And I was like, you're right. And she is a wonderful special case. However, most of you are not my little sister. This is for you. 200, 400 calories, either direction. If You want to lose a little bit somewhere in that ballpark, you subtract it from your maintenance. If we add too many calories too quickly, we're probably gonna gain more fat than we intended along with that muscle gain. If we go too low too quickly, we're likely gonna disrupt our body and end up rebounding into overeating. Keep in mind your body and the evolutionary purposes that it holds, (laughs) it's gonna win. They're gonna come out on top. You're not gonna outsmart your body for a long period of time. This is also why it's incredibly important. You can't be doing more than one or two fat loss phases a year And your fat loss phases shouldn't last more than 12 to 16 weeks, especially if you're being super compliant. If you start to just be the chronic dieter that your body can't stand, you're going to see this massive downregulation of your metabolism and you're going to see these things that aren't favorable to your fat loss journey begin to happen. So you can lose weight super quickly on a 1200 calorie diet. Of course you can go for it. But are you prepared to have to maintain your weight at 1,200 calories forever? I hope not because that sounds like shit. You should be eating as much as you can while you're still reaching your goals. Don't eat as few calories as you can bear or you're going to watch yourself quickly become part of that 95%. And at that point... You're going to have to come pay someone like me instead of just listening to a free podcast. Once you have the number of calories that you should be getting in, you've done your maintenance, you've decided what your goal is, whether it's maintenance, fat loss, or a gaining phase, and you've done your slight adjustments and you're ready to go. Unfortunately for you, you log onto Instagram and you realize, oh fuck, (laughs) there's more. Yes, macros are the rage, and they have been for, I think, years now. Macronutrients or macros, it's just protein, carbs, and fats. That's it. It's just what makes up the food we eat. Whether you're tracking them or not, we're all eating macros. Just because it doesn't show up in MyFitnessPal doesn't mean they don't exist. Let's kind of just start with the basics. Fat is nine calories per gram. Protein and carbs have four calories per gram. We'll go through each of these and why you need them. And within this, I also want to give you a general idea of where you can start. So for protein, protein is all of what you hear about. And it's for good reason. So I'm going to head down the fun fact path of convincing you that protein is important. Protein obviously helps us build muscle. It's like the poster child. It's also going to help us stay full. It's going to improve our body composition and just kind of allow us to move towards more favorable results pretty much no matter what our goal is. Women aren't going to use protein quite as efficiently as males will. So unfortunately for us, we got to really stay on top of it and it's worth it. So protein makes up a huge percentage of your body and it's only second to water in the percentage that it makes up. The cells in your muscles, your tissues, your bones, your blood, most of the neurotransmitters in your brain, it's all proteins. Not only is it the building blocks of our body. It's also going to help us sleep, you know, regulating your metabolism, how much energy you have. It's going to control your adrenaline production, digestion, boost your immunity, blah, blah, blah. Don't skip your protein, okay? If you're not convinced at this point, I don't know what to tell you. As far as how much you should be eating, a good place to start, have a gram of protein per body weight in pounds. So I am 135 pounds, I need at least 135 grams of protein. More if you're a crazy fitness person, less if you couch surf for sport. (laughs) You can kinda use common sense there, moving on. The crowd favorite and our favorite villain, we have carbohydrates up to the plate neck. Carbs taste great, they fuel our workouts, they help us recover, they aid in digestion, especially with their fiber content. Carves are also really important to the female hormonal balance and kind of supporting our menstrual cycle that low carb no carb diet that you slashed your intake on and you know got your south beach book which is just physician approved anorexia but i won't get into it it's really no surprise if you started feeling like shit shortly after that carbs are going to be really variant depending on your activity levels if you feel like you're hitting a wall in your workouts or you're not recovering you may need to increase your intake if you are someone that doesn't move as often or as intensely your carbohydrate prescription may not be quite as high the way carbs work and the reason they're so dependent on our energy is because we use them or we store them ideally our body has enough available for getting exercisey and it can go to those because they're the fastest source of energy and our body likes fast and easy you know men carbs whatever whatever your thing is As your exercise intensity increases, carbohydrate metabolism is going to take over. And all that basically means is that your body is going to start burning through those carbohydrates and favor them as opposed to burning through your fat, your fat stores, your muscle stores, things like that. If we are not using them, we're storing them. Stored carbohydrates are glycogen. They can fuel about two hours of moderate to high-level exercise. After that, glycogen depletion, which just basically means your stored carbohydrates are used up, is going to kind of take place. You're going to feel that hitting a wall, bonk, call it what you may, you're out-of-energy mid-session feeling. If you don't take in even more carbohydrates at that point, something quick, you're going to probably be forced to reduce your intensity and tap back into your fat metabolism. And we'll go through that in a second. So your stored carbohydrates replenish over about 36 to 72 hours. This is one of the biggest things my clients will ask me about is why don't I eat less on rest days? This is the exact reason why. We don't reduce calories or carbohydrates on rest days because the glycogen replenishment process is 36 to 72 hours. So if you are trying to recover from a workout on Monday, and then your rest day is Tuesday, you then eat way less carbs on Tuesday, your body's still recovering from Monday and trying to fill back up by the time Wednesday comes around. It's not an immediate turnover. So we need to have that span of time before recovery and eat adequate carbohydrates so we can make sure our stores are never completely diminished. Now, obviously I'm referring to someone that is working out quite often. If you are someone that works out very, very infrequently, you may have a different prescription. Generally for recovery, we're not looking to slash calories or slash carbs on a rest day because this process takes a hot second. As far as how many you should be eating, good rule of thumb is about 30 to 40% of your daily calories Again, it's a little bit sensitive. If you are really, really active, you are probably going to have much more than that. If you are really, really not, you might have a little bit less than that. We have the misunderstood cousin and I would like you to say it with me. Fat will not make me fat. Now, I want you to repeat that to yourself every time you wanna go buy the low-fat version of some bullshit that's just injected with extra sugar to make up for the loss of taste because there is no fat in it. I would encourage you to ask Rob about the time that he bought low-fat pasta sauce. This poor man. He deals with a lot of involuntary nutrition lectures for me, so maybe shoot up a prayer for him in your meantime on your drive or wherever you're listening to this. (laughs) Think about that, though. That's actually a really good example. So the pasta sauce we buy is essentially just tomatoes and spices. There's nothing really else in it. The last time I checked, tomatoes and spices didn't have a massively high fat content. What? the sauce was referring to is its kind of more processed cousin, right? So this sauce's more processed cousin has a bunch of olive oil in it and all of that, which is great. It's fine. It's fat. But they want to get that out. So they put out low-fat options. And for this one, that didn't mean anything different because it's just tomatoes and spices however for a lot of the other ones with that same kind of label slapped on it it's just going to mean that instead of olive oil they put a bunch of sugar in it because it's got to taste good one way or the other and they're not going to give it up they're going to do one or the other another great example of this is peanut butter there is lower fat peanut butter and if you look at it the sugar just gets higher it's like black and white example of this so if you have a second go look at it in the grocery store It's very, very interesting. This is my long-winded way of saying you should not be afraid of fats. Fat metabolism is much less efficient, and it's not as quick. So for CrossFit or high-intensity workouts, we need carbs. That's how our body goes quick, and it goes hard, and all of that. However... Fat is great fuel for endurance events. So if you are like a runner or you do triathlons or if you're a biker, you can get out of my way on the way to go get some avocados. Fats are really good for that style of training. Fat is also essential overall. So no matter what you do, if you train or you don't train at all, fat is crucial for vitamin absorption, for hormonal balance. It's extremely satiating as well. So you should definitely be getting your fats and especially if you're in a calorie deficit because it's going to help keep you full with that hormonal balance we'll see this happen and it's pretty obvious so if someone is chronically low on their fat intake for women we'll see a disrupted cycle for sure and for men we'll see a total loss of morning wood low sex drive things like that it becomes very obvious when this is not sufficient within our diets and it's interesting how quickly it can happen as well so to keep it really simple I know, you know, the healthy fat versus bad fats versus, you know, omega 3s, omega 6s, omega 9s, like I, no one knows what is what and I just want to kind of keep it simple here. If your fat intake comes from oils, just peanut butter and just fatty processed foods and all of that, you're likely not getting enough omega 3. Wild salmon, avocado, almonds, and the more quote-unquote natural sources of fat are vital to get in daily. Those are going to help you get that ratio in check. Fats are one of those things that generally you can sort of look at it and know if it's a good source of fat or not. For the most part. Obviously that's not across the board. But if all of your fats are coming from the oil that you're frying your french fries in, like no your ratio is probably shit and you should fix it and fats are one of the easiest things to add in because you can literally just cook in them just cook in some olive oil some coconut oil anything like that you're going to be off to a great start there as far as how many grams of fat you should be eating per day you're going to take the remaining calories that you have not accounted for yet with your proteins and your carbs you're going to divide that up by nine and that's how many grams of fat you should be eating per day For most people, this really shouldn't dip below 60 grams. I don't like to put especially women below that. Again, unless it's an extreme case, there's really no reason for it to be much lower than that and you're going to feel much better on it as well. Those are our three macros. That's how much you should be eating of each. It's time for the action pieces. So you have the information. Now you have to use it and that's obviously the hardest part. I tried to put together the things that I find coming out of my mouth the most often to clients and especially newer clients that are learning how to track for the first time. These tips are as general as possible, so adjust them as needed to your life. But just to start out, if you are hitting your macros, you are hitting your calories. You don't have to track both. I went over it briefly at the beginning, but think of one gram of carbs being one dollar. Within that $1, you already have your four quarters. Each quarter is a calorie. Four quarters, $1. One carb, four calories. Same thing. If you finish up the end of the day and your calories are off, even though you hit your macros, don't worry about it. It was just a mistake in whatever database you are using. So with that, I like Chronometer and MyFitnessPal as the two apps that I tend to steer clients towards. I think they have the best databases. Most of these apps have user entries. Chronometer is better at fact-checking them. So if you're not someone that wants to check on the entries to make sure they make like at least a general amount of sense, I would suggest Chronometer. My Fitness Pal is good because it integrates with a lot of services. So if you have like a Fitbit or things like that, I'm pretty sure My Fitness Pal is the one that kind of has the most deals out with other fitness brands. So if that's something that matters to you. So up next, when you are plugging things in, weigh it. Don't use measuring cups, don't eyeball it, weigh it out. You have to kind of learn the rules before you break them here. If you're not lazy now, it makes things a hell of a lot easier in the future and it puts you into really solid habits. Once you've been doing this for years, of course, eyeball it. It's fine. It's not that big of a deal. However, I promise if you've never done this before, you are absolutely fucking clueless onto what 16 grams of peanut butter looks like. Like you're not gonna know. So on to meal prep. If you do meal prep, you don't necessarily have to put them into actual meals. And for some reason, this is like not widely accepted. It's like if you don't meal prep your entire fridge full of Tupperware every single time, like you didn't do it right. And I've never, ever been that person. Some people live by it. However, if you're a little bit more like me, I don't put them into actual meals. So what I do is I cook one to two proteins, cook one to two carbs and one to two veggies. I buy different condiments and spices and I just make different combinations and I avoid getting bored that way, but I also can fit things based on the portions that I want at the time and they're not pre-made. Say I like screwed up and I'm almost out of carbs, I can go to the separate container of carbs and just eat a little bit less of them. Whereas if they're already pre-packaged meals it's a little bit harder if you throw yourself off. So prep the components, don't be married to prepping the actual meals. So this isn't as much of a tip as it is, I guess, an ideology, but this is my general consensus. If you track macros, you'll be able to fit in more like quote unquote fun foods. However, the higher quality you eat, the less important tracking precisely becomes. This is what I mean by that. So if you're eating like 90% plus veggies, plant foods, meat, unprocessed foods, and everything is just looks like it should be on some health food Instagram, tracking becomes less important because how often have you ever seen someone like a massively overeat on broccoli? Like it doesn't happen. If you are someone that is more likely to socially eat or drink or you have a major sweet tooth, It's way more important to keep track of those things. It is way easier to overeat on pizza than, you know, grilled chicken. And because of that, you have to be a little bit more careful with portion sizes and things like that. You can also gauge the intensity in which you need to weigh, measure all of that by what foods you tend to eat. Do you tend to be massively under calories at the end of the day? Are you someone that tends to have a hard time reaching your carbohydrate goal because you eat more like paleo style? You may not need to be quite as exact in a fat loss phase. However, if you are someone that lives and dies by gas station meals, yeah, you're going to need to track a lot more closely and neither is necessarily wrong as long as you're getting mostly health foods in 80% plus is a great starting point. And then I like to work my clients to at least 85 to 90% solid nutritious foods, but you should also know yourself and know what's realistic for you and just adjust accordingly. If you are someone that has really big performance goals and you're a competitor, if nutrition is a big limiter for you, you may need to do both. You may need to really up the quality of your food and you may need to keep better track of it. That's just kind of the reality. And Kind of finding where you fall on that spectrum can save you a lot of stress and also just get you to your results in a more realistic way for you. And if it's more realistic, it's more likely to stick. And that's how we avoid the 95%, baby. So don't overcomplicate it. Okay, listen up for this one. You do not need what they are selling. You don't need a fancy crash diet. You don't need any other bullshit that the weight loss industry is trying to sell you. The things that make the biggest difference are free. Sleep, water intake, unprocessed foods, moving around, the foundations, right? And if you don't know what I'm talking about, like foundations wise, I have an entire episode on it called The Basics. So go listen to it. These things do not cost money, okay? Yes, you have to pay for some of them. Don't call me out, okay? I'm just saying you don't have to pay a single person who claims to have found some magic pill. Avoid anything that offers X amount of results in X amount of time or less, and that seems too good to be true. It probably is, and there's way less regulations in place in the fitness industry than there should be, in my opinion. So don't try to take the shortcut because you're just gonna waste your money and your time. If you're really bored at some point in your plan, you're probably doing something right. All right, another easy one, switching to zero calorie versions of any liquid, pretty much ever. The big one is obviously diet soda versus soda. People will tell me that diet soda is evil. It killed their whole family. I don't fucking care. The studies don't add up to it. I'm not listening. It's really, really hard to get some negative side effects with diet soda unless you are crushing it like an absolute lunatic. And at that point, you know, you have bigger problems. If you can switch from regular soda to diet soda, people lose insane amounts of weight just by doing that. So that's a great swap. However, it does go a little bit farther than that. Your Frappuccino, caramel, extra, whip, large, whatever from Starbucks, it's not doing you any favors with its calorie content, but it's also not going to keep you full and that's kind of the bigger issue. You can consume a large amount of calories at once if you are going to be full for a long period of time. It's when that disconnect happens that it starts to be detrimental to our diet. If you can do skim milk instead of whole, if you can get the sugar free version of the syrup, if you can do these little things, they really do add up, especially if this is something you do all the time time. So take a look at the liquids that you are consuming and fix them in some way, shape or form. Speaking of alcohol is a really big one. If you're a big drinker, you really don't have to give it up. And I I really do believe this unless you have pretty extreme goals. I don't believe that you have to cut out drinking altogether to reach any sort of regular fitness level. Switching to clear liquor, zero calorie mixers, things like that, they can make a really big difference. However, I Really do find that a lot of people I work with they will switch to the clear liquor and the zero calorie mixers, or they'll drink White Claws or whatever it is. It's not really the drinks that tend to do people in in a big way. It's the nighttime food and then the hangover. <laughs> and so this is my kind of proposed solution. Say it's pizza, right? So you always get pizza after the bar with your friends you are not going to go home to like chicken and broccoli and eat that instead because like that sounds like shit. Like why would you ever do that? You have to make a compromise whether that is making a – Version of pizza that's just a little bit healthier and having it ready, or you know, packing something that is appetizing that you'll actually eat, or whatever. Just have something ready, but don't be completely unrealistic with yourself. And the same goes for the next morning. If you know that you are like a hangover monster and your ass is gonna be at McDonald's before your eyes are even fully open, please make some sort of compromise with yourself in the sense that if you have the McGriddle for breakfast, already have a decent lunch prepared and suck it up and eat it. Like at some point you do have to take some responsibility. And if your hangover last for four days, you should probably fix that or don't and don't bitch about it. You know, you kind of have to give and take here. You don't have to cut things out altogether. As long as you're compromising, your intensity just has to line up with your goals. And this goes for drinking. This goes for everything. With that being said, I just want to wrap it up by that sentiment almost exactly like you are going to be the average of the work that you put in. If most of the time you're eating well and you're training and you're really just doing the right thing, that's going to shine through even if you're making mistakes here and there. If most of the time you're not giving a shit, that is going to shine through just as much. And you can kind of adjust that accordingly. And it's not all or nothing. If you want to be really lean and you want to have veins going across your stomach, no, you can't go out drinking. Sorry, like that sucks, but it is what it is. And that's okay. You don't have to want that. You can want to be a little bit leaner and still go enjoy yourself with your friends and make smaller sacrifices. As long as your actions are lining up with your goals, you're good and you just have to kind of keep the consistency going. I really hope this episode gave you a solid idea of where to start with these ridiculous buzzwords that are everywhere. Please share this episode, review it, send it to somebody. I'll start looking through everything and buying some coffees for random people. And I love you all. Thank you so, so much for listening and have a great rest of your day, guys. Bye.